Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Yes, this is Startup Focus with Game Changers. And if you remember the series from 2013, 2014, we just relaunched it last week. Thrilled to have them back here. So let me get started. What's the buzz today? The buzz is at the hop. No, I'm not going to sing. Anybody who's as old as I am or who used to listen to their mom and dad's music, it was a rock and roll doo-wop song sung by Danny and the Juniors back in 1957. It made the number one spot on the U.S. charts in January 58, number one on the R&B bestsellers, and surprisingly, it hit number three on the music vendor country charts. Woohoo! So what are we talking about? Okay, with the right music, startups and large enterprises can enjoy a mutually beneficial dance even as industries today are being disrupted. What am I talking about how? Well, let's look at it from the standpoint of what enterprises can gain. I'll list a couple things, and then we're going to get into a lot more with our panelists. Number one, big companies can gain innovation faster from startups than having to do it all on their own. We talked about it a little bit last week. They might have employees who are not dedicated to innovation, who have other jobs. It's costly. It takes time. It can be slow. Also, enterprises can identify and invest early early in the right startups on good terms and help the startups grow. Mutually beneficial, there you go. And also enterprises can collaborate with startups to redefine mature and slow to adapt industries. There's a spark, there's agility, there's nimbleness on the part of the startups that the enterprises may not be able to muster up anymore and so much more. So I will simply say, maestro, music please. We're talking today about, our topic is the startup mindset. We're talking about mice dancing with the elephants. I think you know what we're trying to say. So let me tell you who my three panelists are, and then in a moment, I will introduce them with their opening quotes. First up, we're delighted to welcome back Frank Vrabel. His full name is Frantisek Vrabel, V-R-A-B-E-L, founder and CEO of Semantic Visions. And joining Frank on the panel is a newcomer to Game Changers. He is Bastian Nomenacher, and I'm making sure in a moment he, he will correct me if I pronounced it wrong. He's the CEO and co-founder of Salon. C-E-L-O-N-I-S. And rounding out the panel today is Luisa Silva, full name Maria Luisa Silva, calling from Luxembourg, I found out a moment ago. She's the EMEA Regional Leadership of SAP Startup Focus Open Innovation Program. Now let's get started with a quote Frank Vrabel has sent me. It's a quote from Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. We recently had a quote also from uh, Monsieur Saint-Exupéry, and it's from his book Le Petit Prince, known as The Little Prince. It was first published in 1943 as a novella. It is the most famous work of the French aristocrat, writer, poet, and pioneering aviator Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, who lived from 1900 to 1944. And very, very interesting that this is the fourth most translated book in the world. 
It was voted the best book of the 20th century in France. It's been translated into more than 250 languages and dialects and Braille. And it has sold nearly 2 million copies a year, with sales totaling over $140 million worldwide, one of the best-selling books ever published. Here is the wonderful quote Frank has selected. Quote, Grown-ups never understand anything by themselves, and it is tiresome for children to be always and forever explaining things to them. Frank Rabel, I love the quote. I wish I had it in French. I think it would have sounded even more poetic. How are you, Frank? I'm very well, thank you. You know, uh, I'm calling from Prague, and actually we have already a late afternoon here, so uh, I'm getting relaxed. Thank you for inviting me to the show. I'm glad you are. Frank, delighted to hear your voice. Now tell me something. How did you pick this quote from Saint-Exupéry from Le Petit Prince? And what does it have to do with our topic? I'm talking about dancing, mice and elephants. And all of a sudden we're talking about children having to explain everything for the grown-ups. So tell me what the connection is, please. Well, first of all, I I love Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. And I read all these books. Uh, So um, when I was thinking of... uh, the right quote uh, for today's show, uh, this came to my mind. You know, and I wanted to <clears throat> expand on the metaphor with, uh, uh, with the elephant and the mice. Mm-hmm. Um, like the grown-ups, uh, in this case, are the big companies, and of course children are the small companies, small startups like, uh, like Semantic Visions or Salonis. Um, um, and very often it is troublesome to explain the big ones, what we are doing, and how our innovations uh, could uh, could uh, help them to uh, to survive on the market. So, tell me something. Did you agree with what I said in the beginning that enterprises can gain so much from startups? And and what's your quick thought on what startups can gain, other than perhaps a business boost, an infusion of capital, the chance to get their name next to the name of the enterprise in the marketplace? Well, what do you see? Is why would the mice want to dance with the elephants? Well, I believe that um, uh, startups, the startups, can really uh, help the big ones big time. Uh, but what I see in my practice, and I would say that I'm a veteran in this field, uh, that still the big corporations or the large enterprises, uh, there are some sort of a, a dismissive uh, to uh, to the children, uh, the startup companies. They, in, in, or very often, uh, they don't care. Uh, they don't consider us uh, to be partners, while they prefer to deal with the big IT companies, from which they expect that they will get better innovations than from the small ones. Frank, I have one more question for you. Have you ever heard of At The Hop? Do you know the song? <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't understand it correctly. Uh, do you, do you, have you, ever heard, this, have you ever heard the song At The Hop? No, I did not. Okay, go on YouTube when we're done with the show and put in At The Hop. I think you'll enjoy it very much. It's a very upbeat rock and roll song. It'll make you want to dance. There you go. Frank, thanks for joining Mm us. And now let's welcome our second panelist, Bastian Nomenacher, and CEO and co-founder of Solanus. And Bastian has sent me a quote from Steve Jobs, also one of our favorites. Uh, The quote is great, but let me just tell you that shortly after Steve Jobs death, and I can tell you factually that it was October 5th, 2011, and the reason I know that is that's the day 
I launched the first episode, the very first episode of Game Changers Radio for SAP, October 5th, 2011. And when we were off the air, we heard the news that Steve Jobs had passed away. So that's a date that is is uh, grilled into my brain. Um, of course, he was an American information technology IT entrepreneur and inventor, the co-founder, chair, and CEO of Apple, CEO and majority shareholder of Pixar Animation Studios, member of Walt Disney Company's board of directors, founder, chair, and CEO of Next Inc., and widely recognized as a pioneer of the microcomputer revolution of the 70s, along with a co-founder of Apple, Steve Wozniak. Shortly after Steve Jobs passed away, Walter Isaacson, his official biographer, described him as a creative entrepreneur whose passion for perfection and ferocious drive revolutionized six industries. Listen to this list. Personal computers, animated movies, music, phones, tablet computing, and digital publishing. There you go. So here is the quote that Bastian has selected from Steve Jobs. Quote, people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Aha. Bastian, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm doing fine, very fine, actually. Just finished yesterday, the Oktoberfest. I'm calling from Munich, Germany, and I'm glad to be on the air today. We are glad to have you. How was Oktoberfest? Did you drink a lot of good beer? Yeah, a lot of good beer. Really enjoyed it. Uh, it was two weeks of party, and now back to the work, so it will be a change, but probably for the good. Well, we're going to keep you smiling here. So talk to me. Great quote. Obviously, from the startup point of view, people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. What's your thought on this? And how does it relate to our dancing metaphor for our topic today, Bastian? Are our elephants and mice, are they really dancing well together? Talk to me. Yeah, the, the first, uh, let, let me give you a bit of thoughts why I picked this quote. Uh, I think your list was very impressive with the six industries, which... Steve Jobs transfer us, and I think he was really someone who was as crazy and was as brave to totally change the status quo, to challenge it, to um, yeah, change people's behavior. And um, I think if you want to be successful as a mice dancing, dancing with an elephant, you have to do exactly the same. You have to be brave and you have to be crazy. That even with your limited resources, <laughs> with your like a limited capability compared to a, a big organization, you can still change it because you can put your passion and your technology into it. And I fully uh, believe into this. If I look into my experience working with big organizations, I I think you can make a difference, but you need to fully uh, believe into it because if you just look at the, like, factual, uh, what kind of resources that you have at hand and other things, it's only your passion and your team which will help you to drive this. And this is what I experienced over the five years building up Salonis. Uh, you need to be crazy, but you need to believe into it, and then magic can happen. I love that. I love the magic can happen. Obviously, you have a very good attitude. So are you enjoying dancing with the uh, with the elephants? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it's a very, uh, if you do it in the right way, you can, uh, you, uh, uh, let me put it in other words. Uh, someone won't say to me, it always takes two to tango, and the nice tango can be really something beautiful. So I fully believe into this, what you outlined beforehand, that both can benefit to, uh, from each other. Uh, in my life, basically, working in a startup in the B2B space, I have benefited tremendously working with large organizations and giving them also a lot of things back, innovation, new ways to things, and also maybe some craziness. And in, in return, we have benefited from their scale, from their 
a way how they work with it. So I like it, but you have to be careful to not, especially as the mice, be stepped on by the elephant because a tango <laughs> can also be sometimes dangerous. Aha, aha. Also remember there were special leg flicking moves in the ta- I'm a dancer in the tango where you can kick the back of the, of the elephant's leg when you're doing this graceful <laughs> sure. kick around the corner there and even topple them a little. You don't want to do that either. I love the dancing metaphor. Thank you, Bastion. Pleasure to have you on. And Bastion, remind me how to pronounce your last name, please, one more time. Uh, it's spelled Nominacha. Nominacher. I got it. I got it. I got it. All right. I'm putting a couple of little marks in Nominacher. Okay, great. And welcoming our third panelist. She is Louisa Silva. We've added the front name of Maria. I did. Re- I remembered her as Louisa. And Louisa has been on the show before in our first season a couple of years ago. Louisa sent a quote uh, ostensibly from Charles Darwin, and that's who most people think originated this quote. But it was actually believed to have been said, Maria... Louisa, there is a uh, a website called Quote Investigator, and they can't find any evidence that he said it, but a professor named Leon C. Meganson at Louisiana State University, a business professor, made this comment at a convention of the Southwestern Social Science Association in 1963. So without further ado, I will read the quote. It is not the strongest of the species, nor the most intelligent who will survive, but the one most responsive to change. Luisa Silva, am I calling you Maria Luisa or Maria Luisa today? What's your preference? <laughs> you can call me just uh, simply Luisa. It will be fine. So Luisa, nice, thank you nice for... to have you back. I'm so excited. when uh, We have to do a shout-out to Christina Sosa at SAP, who is managing the series. And when she said uh, Louisa was coming back, I was very, very pleased. So, Louisa, tell me, it doesn't matter who said the quote, Darwin, it was intended to be an interpretation of Darwin by Professor Meganson. How does this relate to our topic? Uh, are, the, are the elephants going to make the mice extinct by spell, st- stepping on them, as Bastion was talking about? What's going to happen here? Thank you, Bonnie. And once more, it's good to be back, and thank you for inviting me back. So um, I think, you know, it's more the other way around. Uh, The the way I was thinking of the quote is uh, more from the enterprise standpoint uh, in relation to in relationship of uh, how to tango with, with the startups, right? So it's, it won't be the strongest enterprise or the most intelligent enterprise that will survive, but the one that will respond or the ones that will be most responsive to change. And when I say change, I'm talking about changing um, the way they engage with mice and changing how they uh, embed and um, add value jointly and learn how to tangle with mice. Uh, I think that the um, Startup Focus uh, program has been a great exper- experience for, for SAP from that standpoint, and also I, I hope for the startups that are part of the program, and it's great to, to be part of the panel today with uh, some of uh, my long-lasting um, friends, uh, Boston and Frank. Um, I think that uh, it needs to be from both sides and as well the startups that will be most responsive to change and, and to, or, or, or driving that change, willing to driving that change, will be the ones um, most successful in the end. And I think we were able to, to, to choose um, very well this, uh, today with, with the Synetic Regions and, and Salones. I'm very happy to be here today. Thank you, Louisa. Louisa, can you hear me okay? I, I got a note that you weren't hearing me. Let me move my microphone up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough. Okay, good. I wanted to make a comment uh, to all three of you that as a dancer, I know that 
the beauty of ballroom dancing, tango and even cha-cha, merengue, the, the Latin dances, salsa, mambo, uh, rumba, let's go for the slower dances. The beauty is that one person leads, the other one not only follows but helps to interpret and the leader allows the follower to interpret and they communicate back and forth. Not a scripted dance, but the beauty is when they're in the music and they're dancing together and making a beautiful dance. Let me just run through the panel. So mice and elephants dancing together. I think the goal is that everybody enjoys the music, participates and comes out with something better through the partnership than if either one of them was just standing there dancing alone. Uh, Frank, any comments on that metaphor? Do you, can you agree with that, of the goal? Uh, absolutely. I agree with that. Okay. Are you a dancer? Uh, no, I'm not a dancer. I'm a skier and mountaineer, so it's pretty distant from, uh, from dancing. Absolutely. So you you need to be on your own. Thank you for that. Uh, but, let me go. Let me go know, to Bastion. Yeah, to, go ahead, Frank. I'm yes, ab- I'm able to tango, but uh, in the uh, I would say late night or early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. Okay, let's go, to Bastion. The music metaphor. You're the one who started the tango. Do you agree that the the beauty of the dance and reflecting on our topic of enterprises and startups dancing to the music together is that they're dancing together, but they're communicating back and forth and both benefit and come up with a beautiful dance because they're speaking to each other in the language of the dance. Do you agree with that? Uh, I agree, but uh, I think there's also different periods of that, like in every dance. Basically, there's an opening, there's different kind of ways, and uh, it goes up and down. So I think also really the the, the the dynamics are changing also in the course of a partnership also as the startups become more mature. And um, I think this is a very important aspect. Hmm, that's interesting. Thank you for that. Louisa, any comments on the dance metaphor? For sure. I think that um, uh, to, to Bastian's point, uh, there, there are always different moments. And if the dancers, when the dancers don't know each other, uh, mm-hmm. the dance will be more, you know, more strict, more mm-hmm. um, imposed, more by the rules. But as, as they know each other better and as they trust in each other um, more strongly, the dance flows more easily and the show uh, takes a different light. You mentioned the trust word. Fantastic. That's where we want to go with this. I think that's part of the point here is trust, getting to know each other and trusting. Okay, let me circle back to Frank. And Frank, you told us you are in Prague today, and I'd like to know what you're drinking right now or what you're planning to drink after the show. Well, originally I wanted to be stylish uh, and drink uh, (laughs) Czech beer, you know. But um, since uh, I didn't, I didn't have time to to buy any. Uh, so now I'm drinking uh, single malt uh, Irish whiskey. Oh, old. Yes. Mm. <laughs> uh, let me remind you that uh, I'm not uh, on the west coast, uh, or or even the east coast. But uh, uh, I'm now calling from uh, from Prague, central of Europe, uh, where we have already after the working hours. You can have whatever you want to drink, Frank. It's fine with me. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't go out dancing in the middle of the show. Stick around. We've only got uh, 40 minutes left. Thank you very much. Bastian, you mentioned Oktoberfest. What are you drinking right now? Is there a beer in your life right right now on the table? 
Yeah, Bonnie, you're completely right. So I'm drinking basically the last sips of the beautiful Oktoberfest beer. So it gives me a bit of look back on the two weeks of having a lot of friends and uh, business partners here. We're actually, from my window, I can look at it and see now the disassembling. So it's a bit uh, uh, a sad feeling, but also a feeling of, of appreciation of next year. So that's why I chose to sip basically the last uh, drink of Oktoberfest beer tonight. Thank you very much. We are honored. And Louisa, you are in Luxembourg, I understand. What are you drinking or what are you planning to drink after the show? So, to be honest, Bonnie, I was planning to, to be drinking my favorite drink, which is a caipirinha. Unfortunately, temperatures have dropped in Luxembourg today, so I changed my, my plan and decided to go for a rooibos caramel uh, tea, mm. which is an amazing way to uh, delight and treat yourself without putting the calories on. Oh, I like that. You're a very smart lady. I'll have to get some. I think I have some rooibos tea, actually. I bought some for a friend, and it, the tea is still here. I'm going to have one after the show. Thank you. Just so you know, they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days, nor they let me have alcohol until way after the show is over. So I'm drinking cool, clear water and a cool, clear mug, but I have a green straw today. And the significance of the green is, A, spring has faded. We're in fall here in New York. But the real significance is that we're talking about enterprises and startups doing the dance that will make everybody profitable and successful. It has to be, goal, go, the goal has to be the bottom line, of course. So green, my green straw is for profitability. There you go. I had to get that in. So we are talking today with a, a global panel. We have Frank Vrabel, we have Bastian Nomenacher, and we have Louisa Silva. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive deeply into our topic, the startup mindset, mice dancing with the elephants for a beautiful dance. That's what I think anyway. Shout out to Manju Banzala, SAP, for sponsoring the series. And again, to Christina Sosa, who is listening on the line. And she's going to be tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio, so you can follow her and you can follow me. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Michael out. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 
Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. Indeed, here we are, and we're speaking today with Frank Rabel at Semantic. Ah, uh, here we are, Semantic Visions. We're speaking with Bastian Nomenecker at Solanus and Luisa Silva at SAP. We're going to start off the roundtable now with Frank Rabel at Semantic Visions. And Frank told me the following in his notes. It, it goes right back to what I was saying in the opening. Why should enterprises dance or play in the sandbox with startups? Well, many reasons. And here is one of the key reasons Frank wants to talk about. He says, though large companies talk a lot about innovations, they don't have enough of the innovation receptors. I'm just going to stop there. Frank, why don't you explain what you mean, and then we will invite Bastian and Louisa to chime in. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Sure. So, um, you know, we, since we are partnered with, uh, with SAP, uh, and our solution is uh, pretty complex and, and uh, hard to explain, uh, like a one-minute pitch is not uh, not enough for us. Um, we usually um, we, it is complicated for us to communicate our innovations with with the big companies. First of all, if you need if you want to dance with someone, uh, you need to find the right uh, to, uh, to you need to find the right partner. But if you are dealing with a big company like Airbus you know, uh, or, or Volkswagen, it is very difficult to find a partner for dancing. Um, some of the big companies, uh, they have, uh, uh, they have an executive, uh, called a chief innovation officer, but uh, usually, uh, he or she has a small team and it is very, I would say very challenging to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, first of all, to find them and then to get their attention and uh, to get their bandwidth. So when I was uh, when I put this note about the lack of innovation receptors, uh, I, had, I had exactly uh, this on my mind. Basically, we have very you know uh, our choice or so choice uh, of people that we can talk to within the large corporation is very small. We would ha- we would or I would have a great talk with the CEO of the company or C- CEO of the company, uh, but uh, if you go lower to the uh, to the structure or to the organization chart of the companies, and people are getting uh, more uh, narrow-minded or they think in a, in a stovepipe model, stovepipe model, it is very mm-hmm. difficult to find the proper people you can talk uh, the innovations with. Interesting, Frank. Interesting point of view. Uh, we have a show here on Game Changers called Innovating Innovation, and the whole focus of that show is how companies, big and small, can use design thinking, can use workshops, can actually train people to quote-unquote think outside the box and become innovators. So I, I think what you're telling us is it's a reality check that it doesn't always happen that way. Am I right about that, that it's uh, sometimes like pulling teeth to get that innovation from the inside? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. it's very often like that. But, uh, you know, uh, we love that job, uh, and we, we have a lot of stamina, uh, and, uh, you know, we, like, we love to persuade and convince people and the entire organizations. Thank you, Frank. It's Good perspective. part of our work. Yep. Thank you. Good to know. And let's get uh, Bastian from Solanus in here. Bastian, agree or disagree with Frank about the lack yeah. of innovation receptors? What do you think? Uh, I disagree. Uh, I think that uh, b- 
big organizations, they have a lot of receptors, but they just get overhanged. There's so much communication, so many things going on in corporations of thousands or tens of, tens of thousands of people. And if we go back to the picture of the elephant, an elephant has a very thick skin, and if you poach him on the wrong side, even with a, uh, a sharp piece, he will not move. But elephants have also very sensitive parts of the body, um, so and they can react to it. So I think really, if a mice wants to dance with an elephant, or from my experience in the startup area, you need to address the right people. And I think this is what Frank touched on to, but I wouldn't say they don't have the right receptors, just get so much inbound that they often get overhamped and then cannot see the good ideas coming in. So it's definitely a challenge, but a challenge uh, we at Salon is happy to take. Mm, interesting, very interesting. And we will go around in a moment and find out what the two of you do, what your companies do. So thank you very much. Good perspective. I like it when we have a little bit of a different, I wouldn't say disagreement, just a different POV. Maria Luisa Silva, Miss Silva, what do you think? Well, I I agree and disagree with both of them because I have Good. a different perspective. I think, you know, <laughs> on one side, Frank is right about um, not in, sometimes, depending on the organizations, not having enough innovation receptors. Um, but, you know, it's not that there's not enough people paying attention. I believe it's because of the level of complexity of their own organization. So even if the receptors are there, they are not, um, like Bastian was saying, they are not, you know, um, receptors in the right uh, area of the skin of the elephant. Yeah, so, and sometimes the right skin, the right area of the skin of the elephant does not, um, it, it's not pushed or does not have enough receptors. So I think it's, uh, on, on the other hand, Bastian is right. If you look uh, onto, the, um, onto the different areas of the elephant, if you find a, a big enough womb or a sensitive enough uh, space, um, you can be sure that if you press the right way and if you are bringing something that can really help um, heal the womb, um, they will pay attention and react. Thank you. Frank, you started a good, lively conversation here. You want to wrap it up? What do you think? about what Bastian and Luisa contributed? Um, well, um, I'm a fighter from the first line, so um, <laughs> mm, I, I tried to share my experience with you, and I didn't want to, I would say, to use the pink color um, uh, to, to provide, a, I would say, a false picture uh, to our listeners. So uh, our work is extremely challenging, um, and uh, we find uh, very challenging to get the attention of uh, the big corporations, and our solution is suitable for the big ones. And even if uh, our value proposition is, uh, I would say, very straightforward, and this is something they d definitely need, it, is, um, it takes uh, maybe two to three years uh, you know, to get uh, the real attention from them. And uh, mm. since uh, the innovation cycle is getting, uh, in general, uh, <clears throat> shorter and shorter, two to three years is, is a very long time uh, in, in, in innovations. Frank, while I have you, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what would be your 60-second elevator speech about what does Semantic Visions do? Well, we are t turning uh, big data into actionable intelligence. Um, and we are, you know, we are getting those uh, big data from the internet, 
Our background is in defense and security uh, in this part of the world. Uh, the discipline that, uh, or the business that uh, we're conducting is called open source intelligence. Um, United States government publicly admits that the national security of the United States relies for more than 80% on collection and analysis of publicly available data. And um, we are trying to, uh, we are using this approach or this methodology uh, in the business, um, in the B2B uh, area, uh, and are trying to convince the large corporations, having corporations uh, all over the world, that uh, such approach uh, is uh, useful for them. Thank you very much. And now let's turn to Bastian at Solanus. Bastian, I'll give you the same 60-second uh, elevator speech. What does Solanus do, please? So Solanus developed a radically new big data analytics technology called process mining. And our technology basically allows company to completely transform the way they are operating the business processes. We take the data out of IT systems like SAP and show you how you really operate your business processes. We have bottlenecks, we have ping-pongs, we have other things ongoing, and this tremendously helps customers, big corporations like Siemens and others to improve their margins, but also their compliance, and um, it allows you basically, as a big corporation, to run with the same agility as a small, co uh, a small corporation, and this is what we are offering to our customers, enabling them to leverage it is process data, which everybody already has in his databases. Thank you very much. And, Luisa, I'm going to give you a chance to tell us just in, in a couple of sentences what is the current status of SAP Startup Focus Program. Uh, how many companies are you working with and, and any rising stars? Anything uh, new and exciting you want to share with us before I go to some comments from the notes of, of uh, Bastion? Go ahead, Maria. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, so Start Focus has um, uh, started uh, roughly four years ago, and um, from then to today we have uh, been able to engage uh, almost 4,000 startups uh, in the program. Out of these, um, around 900 and something are at the moment in the process of coding on top of our HANA platform, and uh, around 250 solutions have been um, completed, validated, technically validated as minimum viable products. So um, from that standpoint, as a, an overview for the, for the listeners, what Startup Focus uh, brings to the table is really the, the ability to help startups uh, on one hand, accelerate their maturity and their perception of the value proposition of the real or um, overall value proposition of the things that they bring to the table, at the same time that we help them accelerate the market and help them um, learn how to navigate SAP in a simple manner since uh, what the, the biggest um, road blocker for a dance between mice and elephant is the mm -hmm. uh, um, inherent um, complexity from elements uh, from elephants uh, bodies right so and, mm -hmm. and startups are very simple and agile so we try to make the relationship between startups and SAP a simple one 
Thank you, Louisa. I keep calling you Maria because I keep looking at your name in my notes. I took Maria out, so I'm just going to say, Louise, one of these days you're going to say, who's Maria? Well, hello, Louisa. Okay. So thank you very much, all three of you. Now we're going to turn to Bastion. Uh, and Bastion at Salonis, we're looking at some of the notes. Uh, two things intrigue me, Bastion. See if we can expand this. You say, number one, startups are constantly moving in a field of uncertainty. They have to be very close to the market and quickly learn from new situations. But I'm going to add on to that one more statement, Bastion, which I think makes it a, a very rich conversation. You say failure never is an option, but a possible outcome. So if they're in a field of uncertainty, failure, well, you're saying it could happen, but it's not where you want to go. So talk to us. How does this work with the startups? Uh, we don't need to talk about enterprises right now, but the startup mindset. Bastion, what do you see? Yeah, as a startup, I think that's actually what you make you out, that you go out there and keep up the new challenges, take up the new technologies, things which have not been possible before. If you, for example, take on, so Lisa talked about developing on the HANA platform. If you, for example, process so large data amounts, if you have a 20, 30 data, data terabyte system and nobody thinks it's able to analyze it, but I think that's the inherent nature of a startup that you can go out and that you can handle the uncertainty. And um, I think there's also what, what gives you a kind of competitive edge because larger organizations, they can handle less uncertainty. They need to be more predictable. And this is where the mice basically can get uh, a way ahead. But, uh, yeah, I think that's why it's very, very good idea to combine the two, two topics. Failure is always inherently mm -hmm. there. If you do something which nobody has ever done, you can fail. It's probably likely to do it. If we come mm -hmm. back to my initial statement about uh, what Steve Jobs said, you need to be uh, yeah, only the crazy ones, basically, and the ones who believe you can change it will change it, and that's exactly the combination of the two things. Manage this uncertainty and manage also this failure, and I think this is the culture you have to bring in initially in a startup. It's just in your mindset, but now also when I look at Salonis, we are a growing organization of more than 100 people, we strive every day to keep up the spirit, to challenge our engineers, to challenge our people out in the field that they, that they maintain the spirit. So um, I think this is something where a startup can basically get some competitive edge and handle this uncertainty and the failure culture as an advantage compared to bigger organizations. Thank you very much. I, I just spoke with a, a panel on another show I did about two hours ago, Bastion. It was uh, our series on the future of the future. We were talking about the digital transformation coming down to the responsibility on, on the head, basically, of CIO and the IT team, the IT department, and having to be the leaders in helping the rest of the business become strategic and embrace the digital transformation. The reason I'm telling you this is that one of my panelists used the phrase, fail fast, fail often, fail forward, meaning use the lessons learned and move ahead. Do you like that mantra, fail fast, fail forward? fail fast, fail often, and fail forward? Uh, absolutely. I think uh, iterating, uh, if you do new things and if you don't like fail at certain points in time, you probably have not pushed enough. You have not been daring enough to go out to try the newest technology to try what really creates the value for a customer. So obviously you don't want to fail, and failing is always painful. But um, if you don't do it, you probably don't push yourself too hard, and I think that's part of the fun, at least if you ask me. That's why I come in the morning to the office to do something which challenges me, which allows me to really create something unique together with all my colleagues in the Salonis team.
I like that. I like that energy. Thank you very much. Louisa Silva, talk to me. Agree or disagree with what Bastion just put on the table for us? I couldn't agree more, Bonnie. Um, well, we've worked together for over three years now, Bastion and myself, and I have to to say that I fully share that perspective. Um, I think that, you know, um, if, you, if you focus yourself on failure, then, you know, you will never achieve what you, you set up to. Um, startups and uh, teams like, like ours, like Start Focus, we focus on success, and there is no uh, wrong decisions. There are just decisions that will take you through a longer path towards the direction you want to you want to get and I think that uh, part of the um, part of the the perspective here is that um, when you have success in your target I think that it's not just about the the execution part but it's also about listening listening and adapting as you go so being agile enough to um, um, acknowledge and accept the challenges that come up along the way and be fast enough to adjust and adapt to make sure that you can succeed to the path you have uh, set up for. Thank you very much. Frank Vrabel, let's get your comments on this, what we started talking about with Bastion and Louisa just added to. Frank? Well, First of all, I hope that uh, I didn't uh, sound uh, too pessimistic. Um, I would like to mention (laughs) that uh, we as Semantic Visions are grateful to SAP and to Startup Focus Program in particular, and that SAP is our biggest customer, by far the biggest customer. And what we actually do is uh, we are reducing the risk uh, through the largest e-commerce platform, business platform, which is SAP Ariba. Where, where we provide risk detection to, with respect to 400,000 companies in real time. So this, is some, this, this has been a big achievement, a great achievement for us. Uh, and since, um, <clears throat> uh, since uh, Luisa uh, chose the quote that uh, not the most intelligent species, but the one um, uh, who, uh, who is able to respond to uh, respond uh, to the change, um, we are trying to be that kind of species. Um, and when we learn, we learned our lesson that um, trying to sell our complicated or complex solution to the large corporations uh, is uh, too difficult or too, takes too, too much time, we have changed our go-to-market strategy and uh, we decided to uh, to use or to um, join forces with uh, SAP Ariba on one hand and Deloitte as one of the biggest um, uh, biggest um, um, consulting companies in the world. Uh, and Deloitte helps us uh, in other fields than uh, SAP and Ariba. Thank you very much, Frank. I'm going to let Bastian wrap this up before I go into some interesting topics from Louisa. So, Bastian, anything you want to add? Yeah, but Bonnie, uh, one thing I want to ask, because listening to the conversations and thinking a bit about my day-to-day uh, business life, I wanted to share one because I was thinking about the uncertainty. And actually, I want to share some insights from our recruiting process. Mm-hmm. And sure. actually, one of the biggest things we're asking the people is if they can handle ambiguity and, uh, ambu- uh, and uncertainty. Because I think this is really what makes us different in working in a startup 
in comparison to working in a large corporation? Are you able to handle that? Not everything is clear, not that everything a process. So I think that maybe even select systematically people who challenge the status quo, who can handle things which are not yet there. I think that's exactly the people we need to produce innovation. So I think this uh, gave me a completely new perspective. So thanks for the comments. Oh, good. I'm glad. That's uh, that's enlightening. I'm glad you learned something from it. This is this is the way we do it. Now, Louisa, I'm looking at your notes, and we're going to do a reality check on startups. We've been talking about how great startups are, all the energy, the innovation, the mindset, the agility, and how enterprises can benefit. But let's let's do a reality check here. Louisa says to be successful selling innovation in the enterprise market segment, a startup needs to speak the language. But let me add on what she said. This is the very telling comment I want her to discuss. A fair amount of young, innovative companies often focus on the magnificence of their offerings, and they soon encounter severe difficulties to succeed in these spaces. Without guidance and support, few will be able to learn the language fast enough. And I'm going to add the trust word onto that. Louisa, you said that earlier in the show. So they need to get enterprises to trust them, but they need to speak the language to gain that trust. So are startups, I remember this from the last time you were on the show a few years ago, Louisa, are startups mm-hmm. still basking in the magnificence of their own visions and their own brilliance? <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> Uh, well, I think, you know, today we are very lucky to have, you know, two um, very um, excellent startups um, that um, that had good perception of, uh, of their offerings, but that were, you know, uh, from the beginning starting to connect the offering itself to the added value to the customer. Uh, what we see often in younger, less mature startups is that they clearly start from the beginning focusing on the features and functions, on the, on the solution itself, on how well done it is, on the amazingness of the architecture. But they um, only spend like, you know, in a 10-minute pitch, they will probably leave only 30 seconds to the value proposition of the customer. And in reality, they should be doing the other way around, right? Where they should be spending nine and a half minutes talking about all the perspectives of the value added um, that their solution can bring to the customer uh, and then spending only 30 seconds on the architecture and features and functions. So uh, this is something that um, uh, we are happy and um, keen to work with the startups that are part of our program to change that um, communication um, approach and to um, help them uh, often perceive the full broadness of the potential value proposition that they can bring to their customers or to their prospects in different industries. So sometimes a startup comes on with a solution just focusing on retail when um, with the broader, the broader experience that we have in the program and from different industries at SAP, we can perceive that it can have like 10 times more added value in a different industry. And when we bring that to the table uh, together with the startup and work together to um, evaluate the different in the, the industries and make them redirect their efforts or the priorities in terms of the target market for, for their companies, it's really rewarding when we see, you know, the positive outcome and the difference in the communication, uh, you know, the, the message of, of the offering of the startup and, and see them accelerating towards the market. 
And, and uh, Louisa, if they do learn to speak that language, does that immediately guarantee them trust that the enterprise will see them as a source of good innovation, of energy, of agility, rather than just somebody who's standing there with a brochure saying, okay, I can get you three of these and mm -hmm. four of these, and these are the widgets, and this is how it is, when are you going to order it? Instead, understanding and speaking the language of what is on the enterprise's mind, what they're missing, what they lack, where their business needs to go. What's your comment on that? Absolutely, Bonnie. I think, you know, if we put ourselves in customer shoes, um, customers are, you know, tired of being um, pushed with technology solutions, features, functions, new versions. They're fed up with it. They are um, less uh, interested in people that come to bring uh, technology than in people that come to help them solve their business day-to-day -day issues and challenges. So uh, when someone comes into the door and, uh, of a customer or, or of anyone, you know, you and me, if someone comes worried about, you know, your day-to-day -day life and your challenges, your problems with something, you know, that can help you solve one, one of your issues and, and concerned about the different perspectives of your issues, you are um, pretty much more probable to uh, be open to listen to them than if someone comes full of himself talking about how good they are and how amazing their solution is um, without even understanding how they, that solution can apply to your day-to-day -day challenges. Thank you very much. Very well put. We have, oh, just a minute here to go around the table quickly. Frank, I'll give you just a couple sentences to respond, and then Bastion, and then we're going to go into our crystal ball predictions round. So, Frank, comments on what Louisa said about startups needing to learn the language of enterprises. Well, we, we spent uh, many hours uh, in discussions with Luisa, uh, and uh, I learned uh, a lot from her, so uh, thank you for that, Luisa. Um, okay. But on the other hand, you, st uh, you know, uh, being a startup or a founder of a company, you have to be really self-confident, and, mm -hmm. um, and this is something which is in contrast uh, to the enterprise uh, or corporate uh, uh, culture. Uh, so uh, I would say strong uh, self-confidence is something that uh, is a must, uh, being a founder or CEO of a startup company. Um, but I fully agree that um, you need to speak or the CEO needs to speak uh, the proper enterprise language. But even if you speak this kind of language, if you learn to speak uh, this language, you need to find uh, the appropriate partner you, uh, you, you want to dance uh, with. And this is the critical challenge, at least in my experience. Thank you. Bastian, let's get you with a, a one or two sentences, and then we're going to go right back to Frank for predictions. Bastian, go ahead. Yeah, I really uh, was smiling when Louisa told this. Uh, I still they have to be embarrassed when like, we did our first pitches, talking for an hour to a CEO, uh, talking about all the technical <laughs> things. So we learned a lot about this, and now I think we had a good path. So, but thanks a lot for Startup Focus helping us and uh, failing fast and uh, changing this around. 
Thank you very much. Okay, let's go back to Frank. I can give you exactly 60 seconds on predictions. What do you see coming down the pike, as we like to say here in the U.S., uh, Frank? In the next couple of years, maybe you want to look at 2020 or something nearer term than that as far as the overview of what do you think? Do you think more startups will smarten up from listening to programs like this, listening to you and Bastion and Louisa, and they'll understand that they have they have an opportunity, but they have to know how to speak and act in the larger enterprise marketplace. Go ahead, Frank. Prediction, 60 seconds, go. Well, I think that uh, in, in 2020, uh, the network economy will be, I would say, fully developed already, and not that the individual companies will be the, the players, but to the entire ecosystems. And that um, one should have to, one should uh, have to analyze, not the companies itself themselves, but uh, the large uh, ecosystems around that. This will bring much more big data into the game, and there's no other way than to utilize um, the, uh, the capabilities of artificial intelligence to turn the business analytics tool into decision support systems. Thank you very much. And let's go to Bastian Nomenacher at Salonis. Bastian, what do you see in the crystal ball at Salonis? Anything good? Uh, for sure. If you look into it, I see a bright future. I see that basically more and more the barriers are broken down. Technology allows it to more and easy collaborate between companies and also for startups more easily to gain resources. I think this type of collaboration uh, Salonis and Semantic Vision here with SAP will increase because the people or the organizations are coming closer together. It's more easy to collaborate. It also creates more value. So I think this will increase if it um, just fueled by the technology. If you look at the Internet of Things, but other things as well, connecting the organization. So I think we're just at the starting point, and um, I'm really proud to spearhead this today. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to 2020. Thank you. And Luisa Silva, why don't you give me a quick, and I have a, a quote from an article I just found in Fortune on who the new entrepreneurs are coming up in the world. So Luisa, give me your prediction, then I'll just read this quote before we go. Uh, sure. So I don't want to be, you know, to sound frightening, but, you know, I believe that 2020 will have um, a much more um, stronger reality about the rise of the machines. So applications uh, are getting smarter, machines are getting smarter, uh, startups are, you know, growing in numbers and in quality. So I would say that we will continue to see a strong acceleration in terms of innovation, but also in terms of change, in terms of change of how companies are, are, are run, but also in terms of change of how the world works uh, and how the world is, is run. Um, yeah, um, I see a bright future as long as we are able to tackle it correctly. There's always a lot of uh, possibilities to do it wrong. I'm, I'm hopeful that we all find the, the way to do it right. Thank you very much. And I have a quick quote I discovered I want to share with you. Millennial entrepreneurs have launched twice as many businesses as boomers. Is anybody on this call a millennial? Frank, I don't think you're a millennial. Bastion, are you a millennial? No, I'm not. Bastion. Bastion and Mar Louisa, are you over thirty-five? I don't want no. to get personal, but okay. Here's oh, yeah. the deal: oh, yeah. they're the the millennipreneurs. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that? Mill millennipreneurs. 
According to a survey, millennialpreneurs are just 20 to 35 years old. They're starting more companies, managing bigger staffs, and targeting higher profits than their baby boomer predecessors. These are the findings from the 2016 BNP Paribas Global Entrepreneur Report. They surveyed 2,600 high and ultra-high net worth entrepreneurs from 18 countries. Together, they're worth $17 billion. You can look it up. I'm going to put it in the tweet. I want to thank Frank Rabel for joining us Frank, thank you so much. Really, really enjoyed having you on the show. Bastian Nomenacher, such a pleasure to meet you. And thank you to the member of your team who met with me on the prep call. I appreciate his time. Luisa Silva, come back anytime. Always happy. And a shout out to Christina Sosa for tweeting and for putting together this wonderful panel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And here's my call to action. Hey, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? You know the drill. Go out and be a game changer today. Thank you to Michael and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.